My name is Sylvia, and we will now be reading today's passage in the scriptures from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Please follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the reading of God's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church. I hope you guys are having a great day so far, and thank you for joining us today. And especially for those uh, that are new or visiting for the first time, we want to warmly welcome you, and we hope that you will be blessed uh, this morning as we go over this passage in Ephesians. Um, well, the question that I have for you right away is this. Uh, what spiritual discipline do you struggle with? What is a spiritual discipline in your life that maybe you perhaps have learned about or, or been taught and is something that is extremely difficult for you to consistently practice, um, you know, for the furthering or the betterment of your relationship with Christ? Um, I'll be very honest. Um, I struggle with all of them, number one. But I think the one that is the most difficult is prayer. Right? I, I, you know, prayer is very difficult. I pray like the disciples. When Jesus was praying with the disciples, I fall asleep. It's, it's one of those things where now, especially in our day and age, where, um, like, when I was growing up, if I wanted to watch a show, I had to tune in at a very specific time, you know? So, like, 8 p.m., Channel 4, NBC, I got to tune in. Now, when I sit down to pray, my phone is, like, literally right, right next to me, and I, I could tune into anything that I want at any moment. So there's so many distractions so even just the idea of, you know, getting away to pray is, is very difficult, you know. Uh, so last, last week I went backpacking with my friend uh, and, you know, there was absolutely no reception anywhere. So uh, I had, you know, I had nothing, you know, I, I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't even, like, listen to Spotify. And, uh, and I was just kind of looking out at the beach and I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to pray. And all I did was I just looked at my photos on my phone because, you know, I didn't have reception. I was like, oh, that was a great time. And I was like, oh, I was supposed to pray, but I was looking at photos. You know, that's all I did, right? There's so many distractions, right? Uh, even when I was um, uh, on a mission trip, I worked with a missionary in the Amazon for about five months. And I remember going there and I was thinking, you know what, uh, this is an opportunity for me to grow in my spiritual discipline of prayer. Uh, this was, I forget how long ago, it was maybe like 16, 17 years ago. And um, he said, you know what, every morning, at 5 a.m., you need to join us in the chapel with the other seminary students uh, for a time of morning prayer. I was like, great, this is a great opportunity for me to, uh, you know, grow in prayer. And uh, it, it was absolute torture. It was, it was, it, it sucked. And it's not because I'm not a morning person. Um, you tell me we're going to play golf at, and you have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, I'll wake up without an alarm. You know, I, I'm a more, I, I'll wake up to go fishing. I'll wake up, you know, for anything. Uh, but when it comes to prayer, like, I'll wake up and I'll just fall asleep, right? Even, you know, like, the opening prayer, sometimes I kind of get a little, little dizzy. Um, 
prayer is difficult, right? And I think one of the things that uh, maybe perhaps that we are, are need, you know, kind of need to talk about and address is the question, well, why is prayer uh, something that is so difficult for many of us, right? Why is prayer uh, something that maybe many of us as Christians struggle with to be able to practice on a consistent basis and, and perhaps maybe even to understand, well, what is the main purpose of prayer? And I think prayer is one of the aspects of our Christian lives that we ignore or that we try not to really practice or grow in, right? And as we start this new sermon series uh, on the, uh, the Christian life, we want to talk about today uh, the spiritual discipline of prayer and why it is a very important aspect uh, for us in this life here on this earth. And we're going to talk about prayer as, uh, you know, something that is very difficult. So we're going to ask the question, well, why is prayer so hard? And then we're going to talk about, well, what is the main purpose and what is the intention of prayer for us? And lastly, we're going to look at some practical applications on, well, then how can we pray uh, in, in a better way? Or how can we pray in a way um, or be reminded of, of how we ought to come to God in prayer? So the first point is this. Why is prayer so hard? Why is it so hard? I think the most realistic and, and first thing that we have already mentioned is it, prayer is hard because it's boring. Right? It, it, and if, and if you love praying and you have the gift of prayer, praise God. I wish I could just kind of like take that from you. But it, it, prayer can be very boring. Because we also live in a, in a context, in a society, where this idea of sitting still and praying or speaking or, or talking to someone that you cannot see is very difficult. It's hard to kind of grasp your attention in a discipline that can be very foreign to us. Right. Um, every time I, I have trouble sleeping, there's like two things I jokingly tell people: listen to a sermon or try to pray, and you'll fall asleep right away. Right. Hopefully, you don't listen to my sermons to fall asleep. But if you do, it's okay. I'm glad I'm able to provide that for you. <laughs> but you know, prayer is difficult. I mean, think about it. The disciples, um, Jesus had spoken, I mean, they, they were with Jesus, number one. If, if you're in the presence of Jesus, like, I wouldn't be falling asleep, right? Or I, that's what I would say. But these disciples, they were in the presence of Jesus. Jesus literally said to them, come with me, for my soul is grieving, you know, beyond despair. Come pray with me. Like, this is a close friend, like the person that is going to be your savior, and he has just poured his heart out to you that he is, you know, wanting you to stay up with him, to pray with him, because his soul is grieved beyond despair. Because why? Because he said, hey, I'm going to be put to death soon. And the disciples go with him, and then what, they, what happens? They fall asleep. Right? And Jesus comes back. He's like, what the heck? Like, you couldn't even stay awake for a little bit? And then he, he's like, come on, pray with me. And then they fall asleep again. I mean, that's how hard prayer is. Right? It, it, it's something that uh, really takes a lot of energy and effort, both mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, for us to participate in it. It's something that is active. You know, it, prayer as a spiritual discipline is something that requires our attention. It requires our activity. It is not something that we can just do with the flip of a switch. But I think another reason why, and probably, and we'll kind of break this down a little bit more, um, the reason why I think prayer is so difficult for many of us is because we do not like the idea of being helpless, right? Especially uh, if we feel that we have the skills, the resources, and ability to take care of ourselves. And now when we're living in a place like the Silicon Valley, uh, many of us, if not all of us, are quite resourceful. We are uh, highly intelligent in certain aspects, right? Uh, we are skilled 
and, and we are problem solvers, we are ambitious. So this idea that prayer is something where we sit, reflect, and ask a higher being to help us achieve something that we cannot on our own is something that is very, is, that we feel uh, adverse to. Right? And even the idea of spending five minutes, ten minutes, praying almost seems counterproductive. You know, every time I sit down to pray and I'm like, you know, asking God, like, can you help me with this? Or that, I go, wait a second, instead of asking, why don't I just do it? Right? Especially in our day and age, uh, we have so many resources at our disposal. Right? Uh, recent, you know, like my son, my youngest son, he's, you know, three and a half. And sometimes I see what he's watching on, um, on his iPad and what he watches is like this primitive survival video. There's like these two like Southeast Asian guys and all they have is sticks and then they just start building stuff. And it's like so interesting because they just like, they build a swimming pool like in the middle of nowhere or they build like lounge, I don't know, it's, it's really weird, right? But it's also very intriguing and it's because you love seeing someone accomplish something, right? Um, one of, recently I, I saw um, a church member, they uploaded uh, you know, an Instagram story of, of their husband fixing their refrigerator, and I was so captivated. I was like, oh my, he's taking it. Oh my gosh, he's taking it apart. Like, who takes apart a refrigerator, right? I was like, and then they're like replacing the fan. I was like, oh my, it just blew my mind. And uh, not too long ago, uh, my, my kitchen sink broke, and my, you know, I was like telling my wife, hey, the kitchen sink broke, and she's like, oh, call someone to fix it. And I was like, no, I think I could do it. She's like, you can't do it. And I was like, how dare you? So I watched a YouTube video, and I fixed it, right? I replaced the whole sink by my, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how to do that kind of stuff, but I did it. And it, it just felt so good. It felt so, like a, such a huge accomplishment. And, the, and it's, that's completely the opposite of prayer. Prayer is, it almost seems like you're not being productive, that you are not being resourceful, that you are asked to be still and know that he is God. To, to sit and reflect and to pray and ask God for help beyond anything that you can imagine. And so I remember going, um, you're just kind of this, I threw this idea and wondering, well, why does God demand us or why does God command us to pray? And one of the reasons why I think prayer is, is difficult is because we probably have a slight misunderstanding of what the main purpose of prayer is. For many of us, we believe that prayer, it, it should be mostly prayers of petition. That prayer is an opportunity for us to sit and ask God for things, right? So maybe 90% of our prayers is probably, you know, sitting down and praying and, and asking God to change certain circumstances in our lives or provide us with certain blessings or, or to take away certain, um, you know, curses in our lives. And so the majority of the time we are praying for our daily bread. And not that... And, and praying and petitions are, it's good, it's something that is commanded, but that shouldn't be the main purpose of prayer. Praying just for things and, and, and asking God to become our cosmic make-a-wish foundation is not the main purpose of prayer. And so now that we live in a world where we have, especially here in, in, you know, in the United States and in California, we have at our disposal almost any type of resource that is imaginable. Like, anything that you need, you can find. You know, it, you want a certain ethnic market, you can find it here in California, right? You want certain healthy foods, you can find it here in California. You want, you know, some kind of electronics, uh, you can find it. You want a 3D printer, you can find You know, there's, there's nothing that is not at our disposal. 
So then if, if, if praying for things and prayer petitions is not the very main purpose, is one of the purposes, but if it's not the main purpose, then what is the main purpose? And I think this is why prayer is so difficult, is because we, have, we are not fully aligned with the main purpose of prayer that God has intended for us. So the question is, then what is the main purpose of prayer? I think the prayer that we read here in Ephesians uh, though it's not a prescription of how we should pray, you know, this isn't, you know, Apostle Paul saying, now this is how you ought to pray, uh, but it is a great example of a prayer that gives us a very clear picture of what the main purpose of prayer is. See, in the previous passage in Ephesians, Apostle Paul, uh, we learn that he is a prisoner, um, and, and in verse 13 uh, of chapter, uh, chapter 3, he asked the church in Ephesians not to lose heart that he is suffering for their sake. So basically, Apostle Paul, he is in prison because of his faith. He is falsely imprisoned because of his faith. He's, a, he's a, a citizen of the Roman Empire. He should not be in jail, and yet he finds himself in jail. And then in verse 14, the very prayer that he begins to pray is not a prayer for freedom. He's not even praying for himself. And I think this is very in interesting because, if number one, if I was in prison and I was unjustly placed in prison... And I'm writing a letter to, like, to True North. I'd be like, hey, dear True North, who is a lawyer? Send help. Send me care packages. Like, you know, get Kim Kardashian on the line because I am wrongfully in jail. Right? She helps people that are wrongfully accused, right, I think. Right? I, I, that's, that, would be my, that would be my letter. But Apostle Paul, in his letter and, and, and in this portion, his prayer is not for himself and his circumstances, but his prayer is for the transformation of the very people in Ephesus to be able to experience, to be filled with the fullness of God. Okay, that's the, the main gist of his prayer. Right, so in verse 19 it says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so to understand the purpose of prayer, I want to kind of unpack this phrase, uh, this idea that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Uh, I mean, this phrase makes it pretty clear that what Paul desires for the Christians at the church in Ephesus is not for earthly blessings. He's not even praying for freedom and to be, you know, liberated from his false imprisonment. Uh, but his prayer is that the very people that he's ministering to would be to experience God in a way that could only occur through the power of the Spirit. Right? Because in the previous passage, in the previous verses, it says, and according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, when we look at the context of this entire passage, what we see is that what Paul means for his readers to be filled with the fullness of God is that they would be able to comprehend, to experience in their inner being the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. So in other words, to be filled with the fullness of Christ uh, to, uh, is, is not about uh, just gaining more of God, but that they would be actually able to comprehend the love of Christ. Because when you think about, uh, you know, Apostle Paul saying he, that he prays for them to be filled with the fullness of God, uh, you might ask, 
well, aren't Christians already, don't they already possess the Spirit of God in them? Yes, it's true, right? As a Christian, um, the moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment that uh, salvation, uh, the work of salvation happens, God is present in your life. So when Apostle Paul is saying he wants you to be filled with the fullness of God, he doesn't mean that he wants you to have more of God as if he is a spiritual asset for you to gain. What he's saying is he wants you to comprehend, understand, experience the fullness of God's love that can only happen through the power of the Spirit. Because there is a a, a distinction between acknowledgement and comprehension. Now, as a Christian, many of us, we acknowledge the love of God. Right? We, we, we can mentally claim, like we, we know that Jesus is God, that he is the son of God, that he died for us. We, we, we have that mental acknowledgement. But there is a difference between mental acknowledgement and full comprehension and full uh, experience of something. Right? And, and, you know, like if when I went to high school or when I first went to high school, I, you know, I have an older brother. So I asked him, hey, what's high school like? He's like, oh, it's like this, this, and this. I go, like, okay, cool. I get it. I acknowledged it. But it wasn't until I actually went to high school where I was like, oh, this is what high school is like. Right? I'm sure if, if, you are, if you are getting married or recently married, I'm sure other married couples have told you, hey, this is what marriage is like. And you're like, okay, I get it. And then you get married and you're like, oh, now I really get it. Right? Parents, uh, if you are a new parent, I'm sure many, many other parents told you, oh, you're about to have a kid. Um, say goodbye to sleep, and you go, oh, yeah, I get it. Parents are tired, right? And then you have your kid, and you're like, oh, my goodness. I have truly experienced what it means to be tired. So, there, there, I mean, there's that difference. So what Apostle Paul, what he's praying for, the church in Ephesus, he's saying, no, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God, that you would be able to comprehend uh, uh, the knowledge of the love of Christ, a knowledge that surpasses all understanding, because there's a difference between just a mere acknowledgement of something and a full experience of something. And so what prayer does is that through the power of the Spirit that he would strengthen us in our inner being to fully experience and encounter and comprehend a love that can only come from Christ so that we would be able to then display that love to the people around us. See, every time I think about prayer, it usually is in the form of seeking to change my circumstances. What we see here in Apostle Paul's prayer is not a prayer for changing in his circumstances or even the change in circumstance for the Ephesian church. His prayer is a prayer about transformation. And the question I have for you is this. When was the last time that you didn't pray for a a change in your circumstance, but instead prayed for a prayer of transformation? So, And for example, let's say you have a manager or a boss that you absolutely hate, right? And you you just can't work with this person anymore. Our prayers would often be a prayer of, dear God, find me a new team. Get me a new job or fire this person, right? Remove that thorn from my flesh. That's a prayer of change of circumstance. What Apostle Paul, an example of prayer, he would pray this way. He'd say, God, may 
J, grow in patience. May he grow in perspective to understand the circumstance which he finds himself in. That he would understand how to be a more patient, loving employee to his manager. Right? That's the difference. There's a, a prayer of praying for change in circumstance compared to a prayer of prayer for transformation. Right? When we pray for our, 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 our spouses, maybe you are having a difficult time with your spouse. How many times do you, have you prayed, God, make him stop doing this. Make him stop acting like this or make her, you know, a better cook or make, sorry, that was, that was not meant to be sexist in, in any way whatsoever, okay? Just, just putting it out there. My wife is a wonderful cook, but I'm better, okay? <laughs> I just lost, okay, well, let me, let me get back. Don't cancel me, guys, okay? When's the last time we pray for a change in circumstance? Sorry. James, don't laugh. You're, you're, you're going to get me in trouble, okay? So when we, I'm going to skip the spouse part. When we pray for our children, how often do we pray that, they, that their circumstance would change instead of us changing with them? Right? We, we pray so much for God to transform our circumstances without really being willing to have God transform our lives. And that's really the main purpose of prayer. That God is not this, this, this genie that we call upon to be able to fix different circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. But that God, through the power of the Spirit, is the one that is able to give us and an indwelling of the spirit to be able to experience his love in a way where we are able to comprehend the magnitude of his love. See, the reason why I think we only figure, uh, we only focus on prayer uh, seeking to transform or, or change our circumstance is because um, we are really not committed to being transformed by Christ. What I mean, and this is what I mean. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, the reason why you guys are here is because many of us, uh, we are committed to Christian things, right? We are, we are committed to uh, doing Christian duties, coming to church, reading the Bible, being kind to one another, loving one another. But when it comes to actually being transformed by the power of God, I think we're less committed to that. Uh, we, we are committed to doing Christian things so that perhaps God would be pleased with us and and kind of grant us our wishes. But if we are truly committed to being transformed by the power of Christ, it looks very different. Tim Keller, in one of his books, uh, he wrote this. He says, at one level, Christians have these things. At another level, they haven't experienced them. It is one thing to know of the love of Christ and to say, I know he did all that. It is another thing to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What Christ is talking about is the difference between having something be true to you in principle and fully appropriating it, using it, and living it in your inner being or in your heart. And I think this is what one of the purposes of prayer is. That by the power of the Spirit, that the acknowledgement that you believe in about who Christ is and what he has done for you would fully move down to the depths of your heart so that you would be able to fully live it out in the same way that Christ lived out his life for our sake. Now, uh, just a, a personal testimony, example of this. One of the most formative events of my life as a Christian occurred uh, not that long ago. 
You know, so uh, for many of us that have been he- with us for, uh, you know, longer than a year, I shared last year uh, that my middle son, Isaac, that he was experiencing a, a neurological disorder, which kind of turned, uh, you know, my entire family upside down, right? And, and it was a very difficult time for us uh, as a family. And I remember praying initially just kind of like, you know, he was, he was going through a lot of, you know, different mental and, and emotional things. And, and uh, mo- you know, most of my prayer was, God, just, you know, take that away from him, heal him, Right? Heal him, and not that I stopped praying for healing. I, you know, I continually prayed for it, and you know, and praise God, he's doing much better now. Uh, but there was a moment where, and and here's the thing. Okay, I've been a Christian probably for more than 30 years of my life. I've been in ministry for you know 20 years now of my life. You know, you know, some of you are just barely 20 years old. Um, and one of the things that I, I can honestly say, looking back, is that in that time the first time I was able to truly experience uh, the power of um, comprehending and experiencing the love of God only happened last year. Because my prayers changed from just God help me in this situation and change the situation to God, will you use this situation to transform me? So my prayers were no longer God uh, heal my son. Uh, I, I was still praying that, but I said, God, if in this situation, transform me to be a husband and a parent that can actually handle dealing, this, dealing with this for a longer period of time. God, help me to be a, a Christian. Help me to be a pastor that will be able to juggle uh, the stresses of, of family and work and everything else that, that's coming our way. God, help me to be a husband that's not going to lash out at my wife or, or, you know, be stressed out because of everything that's happening. But instead, won't you help me to fully be transformed into your likeness? And I think in that very distinction... What occurred was that my faith was no longer a mere acknowledgement of who Christ is and what he has done, though that is a very important aspect and very valid aspect of our salvation. But it then went from that to actually being experiencing and comprehending and and tasting the love of Christ in my life to the point where now transformation is occurring, where I am now experiencing the power of the Spirit at work in me in a way that cannot happen on my own, in a way that cannot happen by my own power, in a way that cannot happen without a conversation and experience and prayer to God and the power of the Holy Spirit. This faith, this gospel, was no longer just a mental theory for me. It was no longer a a fact that I could acknowledge but it was an event that I was able to experience and taste and comprehend. And that is the main purpose of prayer. That prayer, through the power of the Spirit, transforms the acknowledgments that we have, the, 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 the creeds and the confessions that we hold on to, and turns it into a real event and encounter in your life. So lastly... We're going to talk about some application. Then how are we to pray? Now, again, some disclaimers. You follow these applications, it's not going to change your life. and You're not going to turn into like this super pro, you know, prayer warrior, okay? 
Uh, These applications is not going to make you go from someone who is not praying at all to someone who is, you know, praying constantly. You're not going to turn into like Mother Teresa overnight, anything like that, okay? Uh, But these are just uh, mental uh, uh, acknowledgments of, of the attitude that we should have when we pray. And hopefully some of these attitudes and some of these truths will be able to encourage you to pray more and to pray more willingly and to pray more, uh, um, you know, consistently. But when we look at uh, this passage, the first thing that I want us to think about is this. When we pray, we have to understand and acknowledge our posture. Apostle Paul, in this very beginning, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I bow my knees before the Father. There is a, an attitude of respect and reverence that comes from Apostle Paul as he enters into the throne of grace to pray to his Savior, to his God. Right? There, even though we have a, the confidence to enter into the most holy places, the attitude in which we come into that presence is very important. Now, Oftentimes, um, most of our prayers are very spontaneous, right? And, and I think there's um, room for spontaneous prayers, right? So it's like, hey, God, like, help me find a parking space, you know, or like, God, this, you know, like, you, you, something's happening, God, you know, be with me. I mean, that's all, that's okay. But if our prayers are only spontaneous, then there's something wrong with that. There needs to be scheduled and purposeful and intentional moments and times when we are saying we are going to dedicate this time to come into the presence of God, to engage with him in moments of prayer and honest conversation. I'll be honest, I'm going to confess this. I pray laying down on my back right before bed. Why? Because that's the only time that I am willing to give. God, thank you for this day. Amen. You know, that's that's not very uh, uh, reverent of me. If that's you... We need to think about our posture. We need to think about the attitude in which we come into the presence of God in prayer. The second thing is we must also understand our position. We must understand our position. So he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And he says, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. So though we come with an air of reverence, though we come with an attitude that is, is respectful, we must also remember that the position in which we come as to God in prayer is that we are children. We are his children. And his children have a different access. Now, if you are a parent, you understand this, right? Um, your children, they can come to you in, in the most flippant, sometimes kind of inconsiderate way, and you'll still love them. You'll still want to provide for them. Right, I, I was at a park recently, and I was, you know, giving my kids snacks, and then um, this random kid came. He's like asking me for a snack, and um, but it was kind of in a, in a rude way, you know. But he's like two, you know. So, but I was still like, "You're kind of rude," you know. Like, I don't, wanna, I ain't gonna give you no snacks, even if I had extra, I wouldn't give it to you. You, you know, like you, you kind of feel that way. But you know, uh, my my youngest son Jacob, he's three and a half, and uh, he can do no wrong by me. He just came and he just punched me in the gut. You know, or kind of lower in the gut. And I was like, oh, and he's like, ah, he's like, you know, I want snacks. And I, I was like, oh, I, st- I still gave it to him, you know, because he's my son. There, there is a, uh, uh, a joy when a parent is able to provide for their children. 
There's a joy in, in a parent being able to interact and engage with your own child, even when that child is perhaps, you know, a little rude. And a great example of this is um, I read recently a story about Michael Jordan. Um, O.J. Mayo, he, he was a professional basketball player. Um, he's no longer playing. Uh, but in high school, he was the highest-ranked basketball player. And this is a story about O.J. Mayo and Michael Jordan and their interaction. Uh, Michael Jordan said this, At my camp, O.J. Mayo was the top high school kid. He starts this whole thing, you can't guard me. So from this point on, it was a lesson. He never won a game. I posted him up every time. And this is O.J. Mayo's response. He said, Michael Jordan was backing me down. He said, you better scream for mama. Mama, mama. He hit the famous fadeaway on me. You know, Mike was Mike. He said, you might be the best high school player, but I'm the greatest ever. Don't you ever disrespect me. Now, if you know anything about Michael Jordan, uh, he takes things personally, especially if, you, if he feels like you've disrespected him. Um, and so when this high school player, O.J. Mayo, disrespected him, he made sure he taught him a lesson. Um, now, a documentary came out about Michael Jordan, and this is an excerpt from an interview about, with his daughter, his daughter Jasmine. He said, when I was a child and growing up during the time, I didn't really understand what was happening because I was so young, and it just didn't really resonate with me until I got older. Jasmine said, I laughed because I actually Googled my dad at one point just to figure it out. I was like, why is everyone so intrigued by you? You're just dad. You're not that cool. But lo and behold, he was kind of a big deal. So it's definitely been something that's been eye-opening. Now, there's a difference between O.J. Mayo disrespecting Michael Jordan and then his daughter saying, you're not that cool. She didn't even know that he was a big deal, right? But for Michael Jordan, it's his own daughter. And the type of relationship that he has with his own daughter, she didn't even understand that he's the greatest basketball player to ever live, right? He, he's, he's, he's the guy who's never lost an NBA Finals. And it's because of that very position as a daughter, his own daughter, that she can interact with him in a way that is much more intimate, much more real. And that is the position that we find ourselves in. That when we come to God in prayer, we do not come as a, a random person coming to a king or a, a high-ranking official. We come to him as his very own child, wanting to experience and encounter the very love that he has for us. So not only must we understand our posture when we pray, uh, not only must we understand our position when we pray, but lastly, we must have faith in the power of the Spirit when we pray. See, prayer is difficult, and prayer is unique, and prayer is special because it's not about us. It is not about our skills. It is not about how eloquently we can speak. It is not about uh, our experience. It is not about what we've been through. It is about the power of the spirit in which God sends to strengthen us in our inner being. So that we'll be transformed not by our own thoughts, that we'll be transformed not by our own effort, but that we are transformed by the power of God himself through the spirit. And I think when we are able to truly experience and acknowledge how powerful prayer can be is when we will be able to see the leaps and bounds of this spiritual discipline that forms our Christian life in a very powerful and tangible way. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, that though you are the king of the universe, the one who has created all things, that through the work of your son, you call us co-heirs with Christ, that you call us your children. And as your children, that we have an audience with you, that we are able to come in directly into your presence to petition for our well-being, but most importantly, that through your spirit that you allow us to be able to experience the love that you have for us, a love that surpasses all understanding. So God, as we experience that love, help us to be transformed into your likeness and that we would understand that the main purpose of prayer is not for us to have a comfortable life, but that it is for the purpose of having a Christ-like life. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.